Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Martin Luther once dreamed that the devil was listening to reports from his agents on the progress they were making against the kingdom of God. One devil reported, a company of Christians were crossing the desert, and I loosened the lions on them, and all were lost. The devil replied, what good was that? Their bodies were lost, but their souls were saved. I want their souls. Another little devil reported that the company of Christians were crossing the sea by ship. I sent the strong winds and caused the ship to go on the rocks, and all were lost. Satan again said, that was nothing because their bodies were lost. He wanted their souls. A third agent gave his report saying, after years and years and years of trying, I finally managed to put the church asleep. And hearing this, hell and Satan rejoiced. My prayer, it is if the church is asleep today, that it would wake up before it's too late. You see, the title of today's message is Watch and Be Ready. Watch and Be Ready. Now, we talked about that last week, so this is going to be part two. But here's what the Lord taught us. The Lord taught us to always to be watching and to be ready. Here's why. For we really don't know when the Lord Jesus is going to come back for his church. We don't know. The other day I was sitting outside and I saw these beautiful clouds and, and uh, I snapped a picture. And, 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 and here's what I put on Facebook. Might be today. Because we know he's coming in the clouds and it might be today. And I got a lot of amens and so forth. But, you know, we, we, we just don't know. But let me tell you what we do know. You guys ready? Here's what we know. It's going to be sooner than later. It's going to be sooner than later. If you were to do a quick assessment in your mind right now of everything that has taken place in the last two and a half years, you could imagine, you could see how technology has advanced by the speed of light, if you will. You can see how everything is set up, how uh, global leaders are moving into position exactly how the Bible says. For us to say the Lord is coming back later would be foolish. And so the Lord Jesus is warning us right now. He's warning us. And if you recall, last week we learned about what it means to be watching and to be ready. You go, ready? Ready for what, Ben? Here's what you need to jot down. The imminent return of the Lord. The imminent return of the Lord. Now, you'll have a group of people, a group of Christians that might come and say, listen, the Lord is going to fulfill the Feast of the Trumpets, therefore he's going to come back next month. And you know what I say to that? 
you have a 50-50 chance. We don't know. That's the point. We don't know for sure. He could come back today. He could come back next month. But I know this. God is merciful. And he wants to see so many. For God so loved the world, he wants to see people saved. And you and I in this room, we have people that we're praying for, that we're begging to come back to Jesus or to come to Jesus. We're praying. We can see them. And they're oh. Because we know the fate of them if they're left behind. And we know that God is good. That's why. That's why. So we need to be ready. As a matter of fact, Jesus warned us. Notice in Matthew 24, 42, he said, Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. Do you remember that last week? The word watch there is very interesting. The word watch, you ready? Circle that in your Bibles. Jot this down. It means wake up. That's what it means. Wake up. Be ready. Wake up. That's what he's saying. Wake up. Why? He says, because you don't know when the Lord, Kyrios, is coming. So we have to wake up. But then notice in Matthew 24, 44, he says, therefore, he says, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you don't expect. Look at that in your Bible. I want you to circle that word for ready. For ready. Therefore, you also be ready. Because it doesn't mean wake up. You know what it means? Be prepared. Be prepared. Ready to go. There's a difference between waking up from a slumber. You know what it means when you wake up, right? How many of you have an alarm in the morning? How many of you have five alarms in the morning because you just don't get up? How many of you, your middle name is Snooze, right? Snooze, snooze, snooze. There you go, Mary. I love it. I love it. Snooze. That's the Lord saying, don't snooze. It's time to wake up. Time to wake up. But he also says, therefore, you also be prepared. Now, here's what you need to see. He says, therefore, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour. Everybody say hour. Hour. This is why this is important. I draw your attention to that word hour. Why? Because Jesus says it twice in these two verses. You go, what does that mean? Okay, here's what I want you to know. He says, we don't know what hour Jesus is coming. He is coming at an hour you don't expect. So every one of us in, is thinking 60 minutes. That's an hour. But if you look up the Greek word, I find it very interesting. Because here's what it means. In the Greek, it's ora. It's, it's H-O-R-A-H. Hora. And, and here's what it means. Hour, okay. Day, instant, or season. So we can't go, well, nobody knows the day. And then, and then between 11.59 and... We don't know. We don't know. He says, therefore, be ready for the Son of Man is coming at a instant, a season, uh, an hour, or what? Or a day. We don't know. Very interesting word. But let me give you some context. Jesus was talking about Noah. I want you to think about Noah. Okay? Do you guys realize that Noah preached? He preached as he built the ark. People thought Noah was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. You understand that, right? There hasn't been any rain. This dude, right, we have those in our day and age. If somebody started building a big ark today, we'd be going, this guy's nuts. You've seen my grass. 
It hasn't rained. It's not going to rain, and it's certainly not going to flood. But Noah, Noah was preaching. Hey, listen, judgment's coming. Will you get on the boat with me? I wonder how many of them were, help me, church, foolish until, what was that? Well, you know, and then the rain came, and the earth opened up, and it was too late. That's what he's talking about. He says, before that, in the days of Noah, guess what was happening, church? They were living life as normal as can be. They were going to work. They were going out to eat. They were having weddings. They were doing all of these things. And they were warned. They were warned. And yet, they missed the salvation by ignoring the signs and then he goes on to say in verse 40 two men will be in the field one will be taken and the other left two men will be grinding at the mill one will be taken and the other left watch therefore for you do not know the hour the lord is coming but know this if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into therefore you also be ready be prepared For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Okay? So he goes on to say, this is what's going on in Noah's day. They missed it. Everybody would go, okay, I realize there are a lot of people who didn't get on the ark. I want you to think about just a moment. As the floodwaters begin to rise, how many people were trying to hang on to the ark, pounding on the door, trying to get in? I wonder how many people were like, Now, to you and I, that doesn't mean anything because it happened way back in the ancient manuscript of of the Word of God. But think about this. How would you feel if all of a sudden it began to rain and you had to take care of your little one? And you looked at your family and you see, I made a foolish choice. And as a dad, you're holding up your your child to the very last second with all the strength you have because you've made a foolish choice. And what Jesus is trying to tell us, church, is that we don't have to be foolish. We don't have to be foolish. But yet, we're going to see that today something very interesting in the pages of Scripture. Now, As I was reading this and wanting to rehash this for those of you that weren't here last week, something jumped out at me in Scripture. You go, what's that? I just want to draw your attention. This is one of those things where you could go to lunch and go, hmm, as you you have lunch, hmm, that's good. You can talk about this. You go, what is it? Uh, If I look at verse 32, have you noticed the, the, the use of the term Lord? He says, Lord. Right? And uh, he says this, Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. I find that interesting. Because in verse 44, he says he uses a different term. He uses the term son of man. You go, okay, what does that mean? Well, the word Lord is curios. It's, it's, it, it means it's a personal Lord. And the word, the term son of man is actually, I wrote it down, it actually means God's Messiah. It almost like in two verses, he's talking to two different type of people. He's talking to the Christian who's ready to watch and be ready. Wake up! 
wake up, we're going. And then he's looking at other, but it might be the second coming. He says, now be prepared. Be prepared. Because you don't know where God's Messiah is going to come back. Why? Because we've talked about the rapture, the hard podzo, quickening and take out. And we've also talked about after the seven-year tribulation, the second coming. I thought, wow. Wow. Now, you need to remember, what's that? You and I know the word of God. We know the book of Daniel, and we can pinpoint the coming of the Lord. How so? If you and I were to hang around and we saw the signing of the peace treaty, the Antichrist is going to come in, he's going to sign a peace treaty to where Israel can put up a third temple Now, if you don't know this, there's already plans for the third temple. They've got all the utensils in the temple institute. They are ready to do. As a matter of fact, listen, spoiler alert, they're already offering sacrifices. They're just not doing it at the temple. They're waiting for the red heifer. So the third temple is going to be built. The world will erupt. Why? Because now it's on the temple mount. Don't know how that's going to happen. But they're going to sign a seven-year peace treaty. At that point, that's when the tribulation starts. Right at that point. You and I know the word of God. If we were to hang around, if we were to stay here, here's what would happen. We could pinpoint exactly when the abomination of desolation was going to take place. Three and a half years. 1,260 days. Boom. There it is. I know that. So if the Lord hadn't come back, we go, that's when he's going to come back. I'm I'm in the mid-trip. If you said, no, 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 I'm in the post-trip, you can actually count when? You can count seven years exactly when that's going to take place. Seven years after the signing of the peace treaty. Here's my hope. My hope is that we are long gone before we see anybody sign a peace treaty. We are not to be looking for the Antichrist. We're to be looking for Jesus Christ. Well, who is he? Where is he? I bet he's this guy. Oh, no, he might be that. Oh, did you see how evil that guy was? Oh, that's not good. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord. And, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Again, because think about this. We don't know how long, we don't know how long after the rapture till the signing of the peace treaty. I used to think rapture, tribulation starts. It could be months. It could be years. But I do know this. I know that the Lord says, I've got to warn you. I've got to warn you. And so what he's going to do, guys, he's going to do is is he's going to use a parable, a common parable to the people to get their attention again. This is what he's going to do. So here's the key. Watch and be ready. Watch and be ready. Before we jump into chapter 25, I need to give you some really crucial background that will help you understand exactly what Jesus is going to teach. Can I do that? Okay, first and foremost, let me ask you this. How many of you have ever been to a wedding? A wedding, right? You've, whether it was your own wedding, I hope you showed up. Whether it was your own wedding or you've been to somebody's wedding, you guys know, you know what a typical American wedding looks like. Okay? Now it varies from different things, but for the most part, 
Um, it's, a, it's really, I mean, it's a, it's a tale as old as time, right? Boy meets girl. Boy falls in love. Girl falls in love. Oh, pitter-patter, pitter-patter. Oh, I just, I'm in love. I'm not, I just can't stop thinking about you. Me either. You hang up. No, you hang up. That's what we do. Now, if you've got a strong-willed woman, you go, you hang up, click. <laughs> wow, that's the one for me. You know, anyway, so the point is, what happens is they fall in love, and if he's a respectable young man, he goes to the father and he says, may I have your blessing, may I have your permission? Can I marry your daughter? And the father will say, well, you're, you're seems like a, how are you going to protect? I'll never forget, I'll never forget when I had to go ask uh, my father-in-law for Nathalie's hand. I remember he sat down and, uh, now they said, hey, my, my dad wants to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. So I drove over there as soon as I got off work, sat down, and, and he asked me the tip, how are you going to provide for my daughter? And I said, well, I got a job. <laughs> so you ask for the bride, right? You ask for the, and then what happens is that, what happens is he, he, he proposes, right? If he does it right, he gets down on one knee, ah, you know, the whole thing. And, and, and what happens is he sets a wedding date. Now, when the wedding date happens, the, bra, the, the groom literally just gets out of the picture, right? She says, oh, you can help. Her and her mama, her friends, her sister, they do it all. That's cool. That's cool with us, right, guys? That's cool. Let them do it. Just tell me what, you know, now I opt for the tux t-shirt. Got Ixnate on that. So I had to show up in a real tux. But I just tell me when to show up. Show, I showed up. I showed up. And then the wedding day comes. Do you guys know the wedding day? Oh, sweet, sweet. What happens? The father walks the bride down the aisle. Dun, dun, dun. Everybody's crying. Oh, she's so beautiful. I've seen so many weddings and I've performed so many weddings where the, the husband is just in awe. He's crying too. I'm like, stop it. You know, be a man. You know, come on. <laughs> and they come up. And now let me tell you something really cool about the American wedding. Usually they're on a platform, and the pastor says, who gives this woman, who gives this woman to be married? And usually the father says, I do, her mother and I do, whatever it might be. And I always tell the groom, you need to go get your bride. Why? Because it's a picture of the rapture. It's a picture of the Lord coming to get his bride. You don't just, the Lord's not going, hey, come on up here. I already said I'm ready. He doesn't. He goes and he and he comes from the Father, and he grabs you guys with me, right? And they come up, and they stand right there. And oh, I'll never forget my wife. She was shaking like this. So I can't I'll never forget. I was like, man, maybe she doesn't want to get married. I don't know. She was so nervous. I'll never forget that. And we had the wedding vows. And then after the wedding vows is over, the pronouncement, what happens? We go to a reception. Everybody goes, has a reception. Some people have a, uh, have a dance or they have food. It's just a really, really fun thing. And then what happens is the, the husband and the wife, they go on their honeymoon. They go on their honeymoon. This all happens in one day. It's over. Okay? The next day, they're gone. Everybody goes back to their life. You understand that. Does anybody, know what, does anybody not know what I'm talking about? When I say a wedding, you guys know what I'm talking about. Can I get an amen if you do? This is different. Because Jesus is going to talk to them about a Jewish wedding. And you need to understand the Jewish wedding so you understand what he's about to say. 
Like I said, how many of you have been to a wedding? All of you pictured the wedding, whether it was yours or somebody else's, you've been to a wedding. Okay? And like I said, it varies just depending on the amount of money the, the couple has. Like sometimes it can be real simple. Sometimes it's over, L- I mean, it's just whatever it might be. It's the same scenario, right? Listen to this. Listen to this. In a Jewish wedding, it's a lot different. You go, what do you mean? <sighs> Two families would get together when they just had children on the way and sometimes even before they're not born and they would say and they would take the two little babies and say here's what I want I want my little boy to marry your little girl they're not even born yet it's called an arranged wedding why would they do that why would they do that why because they said this is too big of a decision for them to make. They don't even know what they're doing. We'll take care of that. And so they start off with an arranged wedding. And what would happen is basically, um, again, they would come in, they would, they would put it all together. And of course, as they grew up, okay, you already knew who you were going to marry. You didn't have a choice. That was, your parents said, this is what you're going to do, so forth. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Wow. You look at all the kids in here going, ah. you know, my parents have really, not, you know, who, anyways. So Jesus, this is what they would do. This is what they would do. Okay, you guys with me? They would gather together and they would decide who would marry and they would come together and here's how they would do it, okay? As the children grew up, he would still have to ask. He would still have to ask. Now, they're betrothed. This is who you're going to marry. But here's what he would do. They would, the families would come together at that time, and he would offer her a glass of wine in the Jewish wedding. Right? All the families are together. He'd offer her a glass of wine. If she drank it, if she took a sip, she said, yes, I will marry you. Can you imagine? You know, she doesn't know me. Here, honey. And, and I mean, wow. Now, you understand, this is prearranged. The parents prearranged this, but the wife, the bride, could still say no. She could take the glass and go, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, she could say No. Now, to all my Bible students, think about this. It teaches us the sovereignty of God and the predestination, and yet it teaches us the free will of men. It's not very hard. God has predestined all of us to be in his kingdom. You still have that choice to go. Picture this. God is offering you salvation today. He's offering you a drink of the wine, you have the choice to drink it and say, yes, Lord, I'm yours. Or you could go, hmm. Hmm. Can I say this? The reason most people don't come to Christ is because they love themselves too much. Can we be honest? And the problem is, is that, is that we don't have a problem of not loving ourselves. We love ourselves too much. We don't come to Christ because we want to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it, and we don't want anybody telling us anything different. Well, who do you love? I love me. 
And the problem is, is that even if I get saved, I still have a problem with me. And that's that inner civil war, is it not? It's that civil war. Because you're like, I love God, and your spirit wants to, and your flesh is like, I love me, come on, let's go. So, as she takes a sip, say, hallelujah, amen, I was nervous. So once she said yes, you guys with me, church? Once she said yes, she would go off. She would get her wedding dress. Now, she didn't just go to the, the store, right? And she didn't, she didn't go, oh, let's go look for She had to make it. She had to make her wedding dress. Now, think of a young bride. She wants to make it as beautiful. She wanted to make it as beautiful as possible. I've got to make my dress. I've got to make my dress. I've got to make my dress. Isn't that an awesome picture? Isn't that an awesome picture? Why? Because we're the bride of Christ. And and we need to make our, our wedding garment as beautiful as it is. This is why idolatry is so brutal in the Christian faith. Because we shouldn't have... You ready? Ooh, this is good. We shouldn't have any other lovers. We're the bride of Christ. We shouldn't take on any other lovers. Our heart shouldn't be devoted to anything else but God. Ooh, this is good. This is good. So what would happen? So she said yes. She said yes. She said yes. So he would go home. What would he do, church? He would go home, and he, he, he didn't go out and buy a mobile home. He didn't go out and go, man, we've got we to find apartments. He would build onto his father's house. And so his father, I mean, think about this. All right, you're getting married, son? Yes, I'm going to take the back part of the house for me and my bride. And so what? it would take about a year, and there he would be, boom, 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 boom. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, if you're Jewish in here, you're going, we know exactly how the, so, so the bride is over here, and she's making her dress beautiful, beautiful. He's home, and he's, he's preparing a place. And so he starts now. Again, this is, don't, don't think modern terms. We could build a room in probably a week or two. It took him a year to build a room. Now remember, he's in love. Pitter-patter, pitter-patter. Oh, I'm in love. So he's going to build a nice house. I want the very best for my wife. I want the very best. I'm going to build a nice house. I'm going to build a nice house. I remember when we were dating, she said she really loved a bay window, so I'm going to make sure I put a bay window in there for her. I love her. This was great. This is great. I love her. And so he would take time, right? He would take time. During this time, the whole town would know this is a worldwide, this is a, this is a, a town-wide event. Did you hear? So-and-so's getting married. So-and-so's getting married. Oh, wow, this is cool. And so what would happen is the whole town, for the most part, would be invited because they were small towns. They were, you, you invited everybody. Everybody. And everybody in the town knew, I can't wait for the wedding. When's the wedding? Well, I don't know. Is the, is the room almost ready? Well, I don't know. Hold on. And so every time they walked by Dad's house, they would say, ooh, oh, Honey? The wedding's about to... Now, why was the town Why was the town excited? Let me tell you why. The town was excited because they took a week off work and they went and they partied with 
the dad of the, the bride and the groom. He provided everything. How about if I said this? You all get to take off next week. Come to my house, and I'm going to feed you for a week. We're going to have just a party for a whole week, seven days. So you'd be like, I'm there. <laughs> Why would you do that? Because, again, ta- these, these guys didn't go on vacation. They were really close-knit, so, so they were excited. So they'd walk by. They'd walk by. Oh, it's getting, it's getting close. He's got the roof on. It's getting, windows are in. Windows are in. This is good. This is good. Oh, oh, now pay attention. Pay attention on this. The moment that this drew close, guess where the bride is? The bride has no clue. The bride just kind of goes, man, it's been a while. I don't know. It's getting close. So what would happen? As soon as she heard the buzz, bzzz, getting close, everything's ready. Everything's ready. He's got, he's got like one nail left, right? One nail left and it's ready. You know what she would do? She would take her bridesmaids, all her bridesmaids, Okay, and then she would go into a chamber together. You guys understand that? She would go into a chamber. She goes, it's close. He's only got one nail. He's only got one nail. And she would go into a chamber, and then she would be ready. She would be ready. She didn't know how close it was, but let's all stay together. Let's all stay together in the chamber as to be ready. So if we heard the sound, what sound? When it was time for him to go get his bride, he would take a ram's horn. And he would blow it, and she would hear that sound. And all of a sudden, wow, he's coming. He's coming. Do you hear the trumpet? He's coming. It's time for the wedding. It's time for the wedding. So all the bridesmaids would be together. Now check this out. Here's what you need to see. Do you realize that if it was that close, the bride would actually sleep in her dress? And she wouldn't move because she didn't want to get it wrinkled. She'd sleep like this. All her bridesmaids around her, but she slept in her dress. Why? She didn't know when the wedding was. It could happen at any moment. Do you ever hear the, the scripture that says he's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle? This is why. Everybody goes, right? Let me ask you a question. How many of you women slept in your wedding dress the night before? Don't, nobody. We didn't touch it. We put it on right before. My makeup goes on first and then, and then the dress and let's go. She slept in her wedding dress and everything was around there. She didn't want to have a wrinkle on it. She wanted to be beautiful, beautiful. So the bride didn't know when the groom and, uh, was coming. But the groom would often, with his buddies, make fun and make it fun and exciting. You go, why? Well, it was exciting for the village too. You see, they were excited about, okay, well, next week I don't have to go to work. This is good. And so he would make it fun. How would he make it fun? He wouldn't tell anybody what time he was going to go. It could have been early morning. It could have been at 3 a.m. He could get up. It just gets everybody excited, right? Whoa, do you hear that? Wake up. It's happening. It's happening. This is so good. Now, let me tell you something too. When the son would go get his bride, here's what they would do in a Jewish wedding. They'd actually put the son on a chair and lift up the chair as they walked to find the bride. Right? You have the ram's horn and the guy's on the chair. So all my buds would pick me up and I'm going, okay, I got to go find Nathalie. And I think this is so cool. This is so cool. Why? Because it means like he is, the son is lifted up. And at that moment, 
when they got there, all the bridesmaids would come out. And the bridesmaid had these poles on them. You guys with me? That at the top of them, these were poles with, with oil containers. Okay, they all had oil containers and they had wicks. Why? Because often it was at night and so they all came up, they lit their wicks and they would thought, whoa, this is just a great thing. And they would go in front of the wedding party shining the light for the wedding party. Where were they headed? They were headed back to the father's house for the wedding. So they would come running out with their oils and their lamps and their poles getting ready for the bride would come out And this would be so cool because she would go in, she would sit in the bridal chamber and they would lift her off the earth and they would carry her to the father's house for the wedding. And they would call it literally flying the bride to the father's house. Come on, somebody. Come on, someone. This is exactly what they would do. Flying the bride. This is what they call it today. Flying the bride to the father's house. They would all go in. You guys with me? They would all go in. They would shut the door. And once they shut the door, if you weren't in the house or part of the wedding party in the house, once they shut the door, you couldn't get in. You were not late. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Was that today? I'm sorry. I'm into RSVP. Oh, Once the door was shut, nobody went in. For seven days, church, listen to me, nobody got in. Seven days, nobody got in. And in the house, they celebrated for seven days. Guys, they, they, think about this. Think about this. During the tribulation, all hell is going to break loose on earth. It's going to be the most awfulest time in the world. But you and I, we're going to be celebrating We're going to be dancing. We're going to be eating. It's going to be great for seven years. We think the marriage supper of the Lamb is just going to be this long table and we're sitting there with our utensils going, oh, okay, well, I'm some. How long is this going to take? It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. This is, I mean, they they partied for seven days. They partied, the bride and the groom, and they're having a great time and they're visiting with everyone. And uh, again, Nobody else got in. This is a beautiful picture of when the rapture takes place and when God flies us, the bride, to the Father's house into the kingdom. And we're going to celebrate and celebrate and celebrate and celebrate. And at the end of the wedding, what's going to happen? The bridegroom and the bride will come out and they would present themselves to the village as husband and wife. And the Bible says that the end of the wedding supper of the Lamb, that we're going to come back with the Lord in the heavens and he's going to present us as his bride as he takes his throne and he rules and reigns for a thousand years. What an incredible wedding. Now, time doesn't permit me to give you every single detail in a Jewish wedding, but if you were Jewish and Jesus said, hey, I've got a parable. Everyone knew. Wow, what incredible that is. How incredible the imagery would be. Everyone would do exactly what I just told you. And then Jesus steps up and he says, now, let's talk about this because I want to, I want to give you what he just talked about. Now, we're going to move pretty fast because you've already got the background. But look at that, picking it up in verse 1 of chapter 25. 
Watch and be ready. Watch and be waiting. Let's tie this in to the Jewish wedding. In verse 1 it says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Everybody in this room knows exactly what he's talking about. Okay? They're, they're going out with their poles and their lamps. They're like, ah, this is cool. You know the background. You know this is amazing. Everyone could hear Jesus. They knew the scenario. They knew it. Now you go, wait, Ben, but, but, but Jesus is talking about virgins. Well, circle that word. It's basically bridesmaids. And if you were, uh, it, he uses the word virgin because everyone back there was a virgin. Every one of them was a virgin until they got married. It's a lot different than our culture today. Back then, he used the word virgin. So don't let it trip you up and go, oh, well, I'm not part of that. No, no, no. He's talking about the bridesmaids. Now, what did he say? He said, look, uh, uh, the kingdom of heaven is, is likened. It's likened to the ten virgins. What, what about them? He took their lamps and he went out to meet the bridegroom, okay? So all of a sudden, guess what happened, church? Listen. You heard the trumpet. They said, oh, he's coming. So they all got up, they got their lamps, they have their oil, and they go out. Now he says this in verse 2. Now five of them were wise, and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Remember we talked about this. The oil is the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit guides you, and lead you in your daily walk with God. Now, remember we talked about this, church. Remember we talked that there are people who believe, but they're not ready to meet the Lord. They believe, but they still want some things to happen. I still want to be married. I would like to buy a house. I would like to go on that trip. I would like this, Lord, please don't come back today. He's about to propose. All of these things. But he says that five, five of them were wise and five were foolish. Well, well, let's talk about this, Lord. He says, but the wise, they took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed... They all slumbered and slept. Now, you've got you to keep a... Let, let, let's go back in time, okay? After Jesus died on the cross and resurrected, he later on ascended to heaven. You guys remember that? And they're looking up and they're going, hey, what are you guys looking at? Well, the same Jesus you saw going is going to come in return. So everyone in that day thought, well, he's coming back. It's probably going to be a week or a month, maybe a year. He's coming back. We've we got to be ready. Well, after a few years went by, they went, he's not coming back. He's delaying. And that's what he means. He comes back and he goes, listen, listen. They were like, okay, um, well, the bridegroom is delayed. And so they all, notice the word all, they all slumbered and slept throughout throughout the time that Jesus went back to heaven we're still waiting for him and and a lot of them literally have slept have they not a lot of them have went into the grave waiting for the lord to return 
Look at verse 6. At midnight, everybody see that? A cry was heard. And behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. So you understand the whole scenario, right? And you go, well, Ben, what does midnight mean? Maybe the Lord's not coming back till midnight. I'm going to stay up till midnight tonight and I'm going to watch. It just means that it was fun and exciting and it was a time that people would not expect. Because most of us are asleep at midnight. Unless you have insomnia. Then you're not asleep. So what happened? There was the cry. There was the sound. There was the trumpet. He's coming. The wedding's happening. The what, what happens, right? What happens next? We all go outside. It's dark. So there's the procession of all the lamps. And then we go into the father's house. And then once the door's shut, nobody else comes in. You got it? So you're like, okay. Then, okay, what's that word? All. Let's say it together. All. Okay? Why is that important? Because all ten of them did what? All those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. That's amazing. That's amazing. Why is that amazing? Because in the church today, there's a lot of people who are hanging around Christians, acting like a Christian. There's a lot of people that are going to church, but not all of them have the oil of the Holy Spirit. Oh, 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 it gets deeper, church. The Lord isn't wanting you to come to church and be bummed and say, he's trying to warn us and he's trying to say, listen, there's some foolish people who like hanging around Christians, but really at the end of the day, they love themselves more than me. Well, pastor, are you saying that I can't enjoy life? That's not what I'm saying, but here's what I am saying. I'm saying that Jesus needs to be your all in all and then let everything else fall in place. It should not be the other way around. Amen. Well, I choose to do this and I choose to do that and then maybe, everybody say maybe, maybe. I have time for God. Maybe. You understand how easy that is. You see, the greatest threat to Israel in the Old Testament was idolatry. Their hearts were very prone to wander to go after other gods. And ours is the same way. You see, it comes in very subtly. For some of us, it's our career. For some of us, it's sports. Well, listen, football season's starting. For some of us, it's, it could be, there there's can be all kinds of things. And can I just say this to you? We can't have other idols in our heart. Why? Here's why. Listen, because we should not have any other lovers. We should be sold out to Jesus. And he should be our all in all. What does that mean? That means, that means the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. But some of us, some of us, I pray, are not the foolish virgins. That you're not hanging out and doing you and then claiming to be ready for the bride. Ready for the groom, excuse me. What? Well, notice what happens. Then all the virgins arose. Oh, 
They trimmed their lamps. And the foolish ones said to the wise, listen to me, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. And the wise answered, said, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Your attention, please. It's midnight. There ain't no stores opening, selling oil. You understand the context. You hear the trumpet sound. You hear the oil. Oh, he's coming, right? Oh, I don't have the oil. What do I do? It's midnight. Where am I going to go? I'm not going to go anywhere. What? 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 Well, they try. Look at verse 10. They went to buy the they they went to buy. And during that time, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him. Remember the word ready? Prepared? Those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. Notice that line. Underline that. And the door was shut. Underline that in your Bibles. Why? Because in your mind now, in the Jewish wedding, once the wedding party was inside the dad's house, the door was shut. No one else. No one else can come in. No one else can come in. I love you guys. I love you. I love you. But I want you. I I would hate for anyone, anyone that can hear my voice that would be left behind going, why didn't I listen? Why didn't I listen? I would hate for anyone to say, I'm left behind. I'm left behind. I don't want to be here. Can I ask you a question? What's it worth to you in this earth to be left behind? What, what a value in this earth would you be willing to trade to not get in? What? What's it worth? You see, we love ourselves so much. We love our way. But what we need to do is we need to crucify self and love God first. And that means saying no to friends. That means no saying to, to things that are going to hinder our walks. There's gonna, it means saying no to being a, a, a foolish virgin. It means I have to take a stand because I love God. That's what he's saying. The bridegroom has come. I wonder, I don't want to see this, and I don't want you to see this. I wonder how many people are going to stand up going, why? Why wasn't I taken? Well, did you have oil in your lamp? Or were you just plain? Were we just plain? Did we have the guidance of the Holy Spirit? Or were we crossing and hoping that our religion would get us there? Our heritage, our attitude, our dazzling smile, whatever it might be. What were, what are we hoping in? You see, Christianity, the gospel changes us from the inside out to where we're no longer in love with ourselves, but we should be in love with him. 
And as a result, man, then we love people and it's great and you, you uplift others and you're praying for others and you're, there's no hypocrisy and there's no any of that. You're just, you're focused on him. And God is not saying that you need to be perfect. He's saying, just love me. Love me. Do you remember the disciples? The disciples came and said, hey, what do we need to do to do the works of God? What do we need to do to get to heaven? And he goes, the works of God is to believe in me. That's all you gotta do. Love me, believe in me, walk in me. And you're there. And you're there. But then he tells a story. Tells a story. Now, the, the, what happens? And, and when they went to buy the oil, I wonder where they went. It's midnight. Where'd they go? I almost see this picture of them screaming in the, in the, in the town. Open the door! We need oil. The, bride, the groom's coming. And then they see the procession going, please open! And hitting door and going to the next door and going to the next door. And finally you see in the distant the door shut. And what do they do? Afterwards, look at verse 11. The other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. I wonder if this is the same thing they said about Noah once the Lord shut the ark. Open, Noah, please. Church, listen. If you can't save me, save my little ones. The Bible just told us there were five wise virgins. They committed their lives to the Lord and they had no compromise. They walked with Jesus. They loved Jesus. He had five foolish virgins. One of the things that we need to understand is they're going, hey, what, what, can we borrow some of your, can we borrow some of your, can we borrow some of your? This goes to show that we can't go to heaven on somebody else's righteousness. You can't go, well, my wife's a Christian, man. I'll go in with her. My parents are Christians. I'm going to hang on the tail end of them. Every one of us in this room has to make the decision to follow Jesus. When we compromise, when we compromise our walks, church, listen to me. When we compromise our walks is we're saying that we love us more than we love him. Come on, somebody. I mean, that's, that's the truth. When we sin... When we sin, we're literally saying we love us more than we love God. And we're willing to take our chances with no oil. We're willing to take, okay, well. You see, all of them went to sleep at the same time. All of them knew if they had oil or not. You guys, you guys tracking? All of them did. And at that point, it was too late. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. There's always tomorrow. I'll go get some oil tomorrow. No, I'll get tomorrow. I promise. Tomorrow, the land of manana, it never comes. That's why Jesus told us today is the day of salvation. We need to open up our heart. We need to say yes to Jesus today. I can't, I can't get to heaven based on my heritage 
I can't get to heaven based on a religion that I was brought up in. I can't get to heaven based on, on I hope so, fingers crossed, toes crossed. I can't get to heaven that way. I can only get to heaven by making sure I have oil in my lamp. Afterward, the virgins came, also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But Jesus is so compassionate. But he answered and he said, Surely I say to you, I do not know you. Wow. 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 Jesus looks and says, Watch therefore, for you do not know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Jesus is warning us to watch, to be ready, and to be waiting. I love you enough to say he's asking us to repent right now. Repent, to turn away from that lifestyle, to have your lamp full of oil. Don't be foolish. Well, Pastor, what are, what are people going to think? It doesn't matter. Because what's happening is you remember Martin Luther had the dream and the devil had put the church to sleep and there's a lot of us in the church and he's saying, Lord is saying, wake up! Wake up! Come on! Wake up! Wake up! Wake up. That's the first thing. We need to wake up. You see, next week, next week, We're going to look at verses 14 through 30 where Jesus talks what you and I should be doing while we wait. What should we be doing? He's coming. My master is delayed in coming. And yet exciting times we're living in. But let me close with this. Let me close with this. Here's what Paul writes and I want you to hear. I want you to hear. Hear with your heart. 1 Thessalonians 4, you've heard it before. He said, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. Everybody understand the Jewish wedding, right? I don't know if it's going to be an audible trumpet or we're going to hear it in our spirit, but I know that. What's going to happen is the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up. Harpazo, rapturus, will be raptured up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. That's what's going to happen. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. If I were to paint another scenario, what would it be? You hear, you may not hear anything, and all of a sudden, breaking news on your phone, it goes crazy, kind of like an amber alert, and say, millions are gone. Millions are missing. Do you realize, do you realize in our world today, do you realize that the whole terms of UFOs are coming back? Have you heard that? What an easy way to explain us being gone. Well, UFOs came and got them. Zapped them out of here. If that's not enough, 
the people in, in uh, people are uh, climate control, climate control, melting the earth. Guess what happened? Mother Earth had enough of y'all. You, you cow eating, guess, farting, whatever. <laughs> You're gone. What? What? What is that? No, 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 no. The Lord, he's going to come for his bride. And what we need to be doing, you ready? Listen to me. Look at me. We need to, have, we need to be having our, 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 our bride, our, our wedding gown pretty. We need to be walking. We need to repent if, we've, if, if we're playing around. So let's, let's take some, some application. You ready? Romans 13, 11 and 12 in the New Living Translation says this. For this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove, ready, your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. This is our invitation. Hey, it's time to wake up. If you're here today and you're not in a right relationship with God and you might be the one going, open up, open up, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. How about you do it today? Don't hit snooze. It's time to get right with God. It's time to be right with God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have warned us And, Lord, for 2,000 years, you've taught us to be wise and to be ready. Father, I pray that that many who hear this would would repent, that would, uh, would hear your voice. With every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that would say, Pastor Ben, um, wow. You were saying some things. I I, got to be honest with you, Pastor. I'm feeling like, I don't know if I have a relationship with God like that. I think I might be one of those ones that are, that might be left behind. I believe in God, but I don't have a relationship with him. I'm not right with him. I don't know what to do. I don't want to be left behind. I want to be ready. With every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I think I I might be left behind, and I don't want to be. I want to give my life to God. I don't want to be left behind. Would you just lift up your hand so I can see it? And I want to just pray for you right now. God bless you, brother. I see you in front. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just lift up your hand and say, I'm not right with God, but I want to be. I don't know if I, I, would, I, don't know if I would go. If the trumpet happened right now, if I heard the, 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 the groom was coming, I don't know if I'd go. Would you, would you say, pray for me? I'm, I'm not right with God. You can lift up your hand. Don't be afraid. Well, why do I have to lift up my hand? Because I want God to see your heart. As a matter of fact, he followed you all the way to church. God bless you, brother. He followed you all the way to church. He's got a plan for you. And he wants to love you. He wants to save you. And he wants to see you in eternity. Is there anyone else? 
couple of hands were raised. I just want to give you an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity too. If you've been playing around in the world and you say, Pastor Ben, um, I think I love me a little bit more than I love God, but I'm ready to surrender that today. Would you lift up your hand too? I want to pray for you there as well. Would you just repent? Just lift up your hand. I think I love me just a little bit more and I, I, don't, I don't want to do that anymore. Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just lifting up your hands. Father, I thank you for these hands that were raised and I pray right now, Lord, your spirit would, would fill them right now with your grace and your love. Lord, with oil. That, Lord, as much as you've predestined us, it's our choice and we choose today to follow you. We choose today to give our hearts and our lives to you. Father, we believe. We believe, Lord. First of all, we believe we're sinners, Lord, and that we need a Savior. Lord, second of all, we believe that you died on the cross for us, Lord, and that you resurrected and are sitting at the right hand of the Father. We believe that you're coming back. might be today. And so, Lord, we want to go with you. So, Lord, I need oil. I need oil in my lamp. I need the power of your Holy Spirit. I need to repent of those things that are not pleasing to you. And I need to make sure that the the dress that I'm wearing, if you will, it doesn't have a spot or a wrinkle and it's ready for your sweet return. So I'm asking you to come into my heart and forgive me of all those things that are not pleasing to you. I choose to follow you, Jesus, forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.